Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 21st, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the lore book, The Last Days of Kraken Mare. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who have signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 this is Cracklin' Mare, green-eyed music lover. I, I, oh. yeah, and last, but definitely not least, in the hot seat <laughs> as guest co-host, we have our good friend Worthy D. Worthy, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Just trying to hold it together yeah, I'm pretty after sure, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Green's just trying to break chat again, because I'm like, chat's yep. again going, there's a lot of ellipses being used in chat right now. <laughs> Oh, man. If I can break chat at least twice every recording session, I am. I don't. I don't know if you're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna break the record of the jackalope. (laughs) 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 Because I was confused, and then I look over, like, okay, maybe I missed something, and chat's now going, what? (laughs) Just. Did Green and just become one person? (laughs) No. Wonder twin powers combined. For me to fill. Uh-huh, oh yeah. man well i know everyone's looking forward to diving into discussion about the actual book so i promise i won't talk much um so let's get right into it uh green i know you had mentioned wanting to dive into the cards with a little bit of like a summary and kind of going through those do you want to do you think that's the best place to start or do you I don't know if we're gonna end up taking up too much of the episode where we won't get to your notes on it if well, we do you want to just do, like, a summary right of the different cards? I mean, we can do a real, real short one. Because we kind of, I mean, I mean, we did kind of talk about the summary of it a little bit in, mm-hmm. in the first episode, right? I mean, really, the biggest one I'm thinking that we didn't talk about a lot was this. Well, we talked about the Sundown Distress a little. But, like, Sundown mm-hmm. Distress and the two Water Sun cards, I don't think we talked about much. Um, no, because that's after the... Because we talked a lot about the story of Rasputin shooting down the ship. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, the was, that was the uh, Kalki's Burning Sword entries, which okay. are about halfway so, through. And then Faces Like Shields and 10th Avatar is Morgan being introduced. Uh, Six Seal is the first two entries where it's really just kind of an introduction to Mia and, air quote, the cast of her team and the borehole. Um I do think that the Six Seal Part 2 is a little bit more interesting about the um, commentary of what's going on at that time. It's the Traveler basically abandoning Io and heading heading to Earth. Mm-hmm. So, 
that that is interesting in that one because that gives you a, a pretty solid timestamp of where what is right. when this is happening. But beyond that, the first one is the planning of the evacuation of Titan. That's Six Seal Part One. There's aspects where they're they're calling out that they are one day away from a crude expedition into Titan's biggest secret, and they and they're like pretty upset about having to leave and drop all of that. The you get part two, where you get the announcement that the traveler left Io and heading to Earth. The behavior is unprecedented, so they're not sure what's going on. And then we get into Tenth Avatar, where the military, aka Morgan and Rasputin's front line, essentially arrives on Titan. And Morgan and David have their little tit-for-tat. And then we get the um, faces like shields. It's a pretty basic one. Violence returns to Titan for the first time in 50 years. And more with David and a little bit with Mia. And then the Burning Sword, which seems to be a reference to Rasputin's... uh, What is that? What is that attack called? I cannot. The Aurora knives, kind of. Kind yeah, of feels a and we bit had like seen that because uh, we actually saw some of the Aurora knives in game, didn't we? With the Zol quest, when he when they when we were recovering the shard of the traveler, I think they used the the Aurora knives to purge some of the stuff off the the fragment of the traveler that we then used as bait yes. for Zol. Yes, yes, yes. It came across a little bit like the um, Valkyrie, but it's a lot bigger. <laughs> or was it a or Dino Dennis's that might be the Hades flame? That could have been Hades flame, absolutely. Oh, okay. He says Aurora knives are tiny flashes, and Hades flame is the one that. Okay. Burning sword, part two. Then you get the scene where, um, after the burning swords, you get the sundown distress. This is the stress calls called out from Titan, and then you get the scene with the diver letting out the the swarmers. I think is what they're called again, if I remember right. Correct. Not swimmers. Yep. Little swarmers. swarmers. Swarmers, yep. And then the you see the final quote-unquote collapse of Titan, essentially because of these tidal waves that are crashing against the arcology and crashing against the rest of Titan over and over at much, much taller waves than they're used to. Which, granted, on Titan there are pretty large waves to begin with, but their structures are built to withstand that, so imagine what we see in game times make them, instead of just the waves that they look like, 400, 40 meters high. 400% higher. Yes. Like, that's... that. I just <laughs> it's big. He's big. It's like tsunami big, but instead of just, like, one wave, it's multiples. And then the scene fades to black with the, oh no! I, I love that. Oh, oh man! No. Or, yeah. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> so that's like the the rough and dirty quick summary of all those cards. There yeah. are obviously a ton of things in each of them. Yeah, I think the the explanation that they gave to the reason why the waves was the the moon got 
pulled gravitationally into the shape of a teardrop and then suddenly let go. Was that because the traveler zipped by it? Is that no, it was because of uh, an unknown gravitational force okay. that suddenly disappeared, which I kind of took as it like sounds something. like the traveler, but I think what? It they also they call like something else, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be anything. We know that the scions, for example, with the cabal, have the ability to manipulate oh, okay. gravity on a on a very large scale. Um, but the traveler was called out earlier as being literally going from Io to Earth. So that, to me, read as like they knew where that, like they knew that it was actually going somewhere, right? Um. And then, yeah, uh, Dino's uh, got a quote from Toland that connects back to the moon. Uh, he says, The moon sits lush with schisms, the result of Eris's curiosity, a pyramid of pure power with the ability to terraform. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? If the traveler is a god of light, then what does that make the pyramid who spews out tragedies back at or spews our tragedies back at us? We must always question the unknowable, for that is the only path to knowing. So, again, traveler is not the only one that has the ability to not just terraform, but also manipulate gravity. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be a, a pyramid. I mean, again, we have the scions are doing this exact situation with one of the moons uh, with, uh, is it Phobos? Mm -hmm. They have it in a lock so that if they need to, they can slam it into Mars and destroy the entire planet. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we, we have instances of other cultures actually having the ability to manipulate stuff. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so time to jump into kind of the different theories and discussions of things going on and boop, activate the blue. <laughs> um, so we have, I would, I would say that we have three, what I would call theories confirmed. Um, First off, we have it called out, and this is this is even this is a bit of a thin ice one. We have it called out that all exos were once people. Uh, I know when we had talked about exos a while back, we had made the comment, or I had made the comment. Um, how do we know that there are no artificial AI generated exos, like that we aren't that we don't have frames basically in exo bodies? As far as we know, in the golden age, that did not exist. They were all once people, um, which is called out when they introduce Morgan. And the what they refer to as the transhuman infantry unit, uh, which is a really fascinating thing. Um, we also have a bit of a scope on the time that the Golden Age lasted, because it is called out that the quote Bray cult of personality, which is I love that description of them, uh, had risen, fallen, and was on the rise again by the time that the Golden Age came to an end. So they had literally come to power fallen because of their pride and were on the rise again from that fall all during the golden age which was which should it doesn't give us a hard timeline but it gives you a sense at least that this was a this said this was longer than just a couple you know decades this was a this was a potentially very longer period um we also have a confirmation of the the size of the new Pacific Arcology at its height, or arguable, arguably at its height, is around 2.9 million, which we had mentioned um, earlier last episode. 
Um, so those are those are really the theories that I would say we kind of got answers to. Uh, as far as new theories, um, ooh, there's there's a couple good ones. Um, depending on how far out we want to go, uh, these are ones that I still don't really have <clears throat> answers to. Uh, but I have uh, the ones that came to mind when I was reading it was there was a call out on the gear from the Soul Synced or Soul Sixint. Uh, about spider vehicles. Uh, I made a comment. I was like, could the Fallen have inherited their spider tanks from the gear that was left behind uh, after the collapse from the Soul Succinct? We don't know where the Fallen got a lot of their gear, and we know that they're scavengers. So the fact that there was a call out to a spider, a military unit that was spider-shaped is kind of an interesting thing for me. Um, We also have a connection... A potential connection. This is pretty far spin foil. Uh, could the Leviathans mentioned as being potentially within Titan's lower sea be connected to the previously seen Leviathan who was guarding the Worm Gods on Fundament? Which then leads to the next question of could the Swarmers be akin to the Krill? Uh, the reason why is the structure of Titan and the events presented within this particular collection of entries are very similar to the Syzygy which, is occur- which occurred upon the Fundament. Um, which is again... It's it's a pretty uh, with the information that we have right now. It is I, I would say it's not super reliable on on our scale of things. I would say it's it's possible to speculation, uh, which is on the lower end of what I refer to as the Kex confirmation chart. Um, it's so this is this is just like this is just a, a you know brainstorming question. But the reason why I say that is. If you look at the structure of Titan and the events described within this particular book, it's very similar to that that was described in the Books of Sorrow and the Fundament. Um, going further, the Swarmers are are described by Mari as, quote, highest, not, not, quote, the highest life nor Titan's lowest. They hive across the icy sea bottom in enormous braided patterns that speak of intelligence, not individually, not even at the hive level, but of some kind of vast concert conducted perhaps by leviathans down beneath the ice shell, communicating across the barrier by magnetic whisper that the swarmers receive via organic squids, end quote. Um... So that and that actually leads to one of the questions that we that I had was what is a squid? Uh, we got that re- or that reference going. Um, a squid is a device that the it's an acronym that stands for superconducting quantum interference device or squid. Uh, basically, what this is is a very sensitive magnometer, uh, which is used to measure extremely subtle magnetic fields based on superconducting loops containing Josephine junctions. Uh, the reason why this is called out here is because the extreme sensitivity of squids make them ideal for studies in biology. Um, I'm going to butcher this word. Uh, magnet, magneto, in, it's an MEG. Just call whatever. it. A I have it in the notes. Just go read it. Yeah, it's a meg. Um, MEG, for example, uses measurements from an array of squids to make inferences about neural activity inside brains. So this is a device that actually um, the the artificial ones will actually measure what's going on inside your brain um so encephalography magnetoencephalography yeah that um so the squids uh mari's idea is that they could potentially have an organic form of that that is being communicated to them via 
uh, magnetic symbol or magnetic signals being sent by creatures below. Now, this is all theory, uh, which is why I put this idea as like at best possible. It's a really, really speculation. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's very high up there. Um, that's really kind of the 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 pieces that I have for, that are the theories and the some of the bigger kind of questions. There's a few like cool little callouts as far as like the the in, the entry names. Um, the first series is the sixth seal. Uh, this is a reference, obviously, to Book of Revelations, uh, in particular, chapter 6, verses 12 through 17, which is talking about the end of times. Uh, actually, most of these most of these references are going to be talking about the end of times. Um, the 10th Avatar, which is the next kind of entry, is a reference to the figure of Kalki, who is the last avatar of Vishnu that appears at the end of the Kali Yuga. Uh, and I'll get, I'm going to talk about the yugas, the cycle of yugas in just a second, but I'm going to go next to faces like shields. There's not really a big reference there, um, other than they're talking about the exos, uh, and the fact that violence has returned. Um, the next couple entries are Kalki's burning sword. Uh, again, Kalki is the 10th avatar of Vishnu. Uh, and this avatar is actually the one who is responsible for ending what's referred to as the dark, degenerating, and chaotic stage of the Kali Yuga to remove Dharma and usher in the Sata Yuga, uh, which I, again, will come, will come back to in just a second. Uh, Kalki is shown riding a white horse with a fiery sword, and his role was basically to restart a new cycle of time. Um, Kalki's Burning Sword Part 2, same thing. You know, Kalki again... Uh, sundown distress uh, is a reference to the uh, distress call that Titan sends out, and the situation on Titan is referred to as a sundown situation. Uh, so literally, the sun is down; it's the end. Um, water sun. I didn't really connect anything to it myself. I didn't know green. Had you had a chance to look into that particular one? Water down. Water as sun. Like- no, not water down. Oh. Water down's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah. Water Sun. I did not know any references off the top of my head, and I did not find anything initially. Like, I've not been able to dig too deep into that one, no. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I know, like, I know, like, there's, like, going into, like, astrology, you have, like, the sun sign, and you have water signs within that, which I think are, hang on, let me try to remember, I think it's Cancer, Scorpio, and pisces i think isn't pisces the fish i think right yeah i think so um yes so i think those are those are referred to as like water signs but i'm not i'm not sure on water sun uh that could just i didn't have a chance to dive into that one particular a lot of them that i'm getting hits for like for children's hospitals and stuff like that i don't unless there's some mythological thing that i'm not missing i'm wondering real quick i'm gonna look real quick I know Vishnu was a sun god. There's a Hindu thing offering uh, water to the sun god. Mm, okay. To. Okay. Uh, so, according to mythology, one's demons called uh, Madihas, who lived on an island called Arunam, prayed to Lord Brahma to obtain a boon, which he granted. They asked for the power to fl- to fight with Surya demons like darkness this is a really long answer 
basically the offering water to the sun type thing looks like it is the part of the um, the gift to try to get the boon to fight back. Oh, okay, so that that's the the uh, offering water in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That. All right. Um, like I said, I I didn't have a chance to look at that particular one, so I I, I apologize for that. Um, but really quick, I got, I mentioned that I was going to come back and talk about the cycle of yugas. Uh, so yugas is is something that's connected to Hinduism. And Hinduism also often represents what's referred to as morality or dharma as an Indian bull. Uh, and so where you see this predominantly is within a, what's referred to as the cycle of yugas. Uh, and this begins with what's referred to as the sata, I think it's satya yuga. Uh, and in this image, the bull has four legs, but each age reduces this by a quarter. And so by the age of Kali, Dharma is reduced to only that of a fourth of the age of Sata, which is shown in the bull only having a single leg remaining. Um, and this is connected to the belief that humanity did degenerates on a spiritual level during the Kali Yuga. Uh, so com- common attributes and consequences that you see a lot of times within this, this explanation is things like spiritual bankruptcy, uh, mindless hedonism, uh, breakdown of all social structures, greed, materialism, unrestricted egotism, uh, diseases and afflictions and maladies of mind and body and stuff like that. Uh, And so this model is where we see the Kali Yuga as being full of extreme hardships for people with ideals and values. And this whole cycle is referred to as, I want to say it's the Maha Yuga, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, And again, we see it as starting with the Sata Yuga, which is referred to as the Golden Age. And it's the first of four eras when humanity is governed by gods and every manifestation of work is close to the purest ideal. So this is kind of like... um, uh, it's 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 basically like a utopian ever or utopian esque level. Uh, humanity will during this time allow intrinsic goodness to rule supreme. Um, and then we get to the Treta Yuga, which is where mankind grows more materialistic, and so that materialism then diminishes their power slightly, uh, which then leads into I I think it's the Dwapara Yuga. I think is how you pronounce that. Um, I apologize if I mispronounce that uh this era is where the divine intellect ceases to exist meaning that mankind is seldom truthful so deceit and various plagues start to be introduced into humanity's existence really uh which brings us finally to the last uh the kali yuga and this era is where again extreme hardships come fully into being um, you often see this era as being associated with the the term strife discord quarrel or contention uh, there is also a very strong connection or link to the demon figure of Kali as well. Uh, the Kali Yuga is again connected then to um, the, I think it's uh, just blanked on it, the Kalki figure, uh, because Kalki is responsible for ending the Kali and ushering in a new rotation of the, the Maha Yuga. So he, he ends the cycle and then starts the cycle over so it's that cyclical situation as well um so the use of that imagery within these entity or within these entry titles is kind of this is the end you see the Kalki's burning sword that's the end of the era you know uh you six seal you have the book of revelations which is also the end of the world the apocalypse is occurring um and then what was the other one 
the uh, water sun again yeah i'm not i i'm assuming i and this is me assuming i'm assuming that is a connection to something apocalyptic as well or the 10th avatar which is also a reference to kalki as well uh so we have a lot of apocalyptic references here and then we see within the the actual book this is the collapse is starting like you know this is this is the breaking of the sixth seal if you will um which is right before the breaking of the seventh and the end of everything. And, you know, Kalki is arriving with a burning sword. Um, you know, it's, it's very symbolic there of this is the end of days. This is the last days, not just of Kraken Mare, but of the golden age itself. Um, trying to think here. Oh, I mentioned, uh, an interesting thing about the traveler, uh, within the, the mission utopia we actually had the arcology pa which i think you had mentioned green earlier in the intro uh session um Mm -hmm. the really calm voice that just talks to you (laughs) um Mm -hmm. an interesting note was that one of its lines that it speaks is about how the colonists of new pacific were interested in hoping or they were hopeful that the traveler would come to terraform the moon of titan after it had completed the terraforming of io so, spoiler alert, it didn't, but that was actually, um, they were hoping that they could get, they were hoping that the Traveler would come to terraform Titan and change it from, you know, the arguably inhospitable planet, planetoid that it was, into something that was similar to the other forms of the Traveler's attentions, such as Mars and Venus and all that, though arguably Venus was... Ter- I still have arguments on who terraformed what on Venus. Why is that? Uh, because of the Hesponauts. Uh, Hesponauts are called out as being the the individuals who descended into the boiling mist of Venus to install terraforming engines. Uh, but then we have references of the Traveler having terraformed Venus, so it's like... Did the Traveler terraform Venus, or did humanity take the technology that was gifted to them via the knowledge given to them by the Traveler and terraform Venus? Um, Maybe just a, a little of A and B. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, th- I think the best explanation is it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, and you can also argue that the, ve- the Traveler terraformed Venus because it educated us on how to terraform things. So ultimately, you know... The traveler gave us the information. The traveler taught us how to fish, but then we caught the fish ourselves, basically. I think that's the best way to describe the traveler's technology gift to us anyway. I, yeah, that's how I've read it. Um, I just find it interesting, though, within Utopia, that it was called out that they were hoping that the traveler would come to Titan after it was done with Io to terraform Titan. I thought that was just a little bit there. Mm Mm-hmm. But that also ties into the question of, like, what were they doing with the borehole? Um, you know, what what was going on there? What were they looking at? I, and we kind of mentioned it in the intro episode because we don't know a lot about Titan today. Like, that's kind of the thing is it's all theorized. And within the very first entry, we see the argument being, you know, exactly. They're on, they're on the threshold of, like... I think what was it? They just finished the borehole, <laughs> and they're like, you know, yeah, Ziana is the uh, the um, the master of the ocean. They're the ocean, yeah, ocean the ocean expert. Yeah. I think it's a 
ocean expert thanks um she's like we're, we're no we have one day like <laughs> it's like um and she refers to it as titan's biggest secret you know and it's just again it's kind of that they're they're trying they're they're there's that hum, the human curiosity that's like okay we're gonna we're probably gonna die but we still want to know what's going on here um i found that i found that like refreshing because i was like oh there's there's the human curiosity of you know human curiosity killed the yeah killed the golden age well and they're it, like mm-hmm. the the entry states that like if they abandon their gear the gear is only going to last a day or so down there right yeah because it's uh what was it uh, it's down the uh bathing in liquid yeah. methane hydrogen sulfide and car carbo carboxylic acid that's always super fun right because <laughs> who doesn't want to play with acid mm, mm-hmm the technology that's mentioned here is also just like I, I kind of not gonna lie, I geeked out a little bit about a lot of the technology that was mentioned. Like Zienna has recombinant muscles, uh, so she has spliced what was it, spliced chimp muscles on her arms, and then um, Mari. Well, all of them have, all of them have a. It's like a, it's like a, it's a, I think it's a sippable, uh, a sippable like holo screen basically that displays well, information in their vision, but it doesn't distract mm-hmm. from the vision. Which is it's basically like an internalized um, <clears throat> uh, heads up yeah. display. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think hololens. Yeah, you know how the mm-hmm. yeah the hololens works. So it's like that, but they're the eyes, reality. which makes me it's worry. Not, it's like is it is it contacts or is it actually embedded in their eyes? It wouldn't be surprising if it's actually something that is built into them because they talk about all sorts of other like splicing of um, one of the scannables talks about kiwi or cucumber kiwis and then of course pineapples are apple (laughs) yeah ghost is so so upset about that one but like I love the the fact that he has cucumber one I know he has no qualm about kiwi was kiwi cucumber was it kiwi cucumber or kiwi banana or something. It, it was cucumber kiwi that was, was those two. <laughs> he was like, "Oh yeah, that's really what's a pineapple." I guess if you want real like more kiwi, that's the way to do it. Like, you want a really long kiwi? Yeah, maybe. It's a fuzzy space cucumber. Twelve tons. Yeah, go, Dino got it. Twelve tons of kiwi cucumbers. Twelve ton of pineapples. Palm figs. Yeah. Pine apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I love I love that he's so Pomegranate literal. Pomegranate figs too is another one that makes my head hurt because I'm like, okay, does it have tiny little fig like jewels like pomegranates? Or is it a tiny, tiny pomegranate in the shape of a fig? Oh, <laughs> or is it a pomegranate that's not immensely imagine, sour? Imagine Australia and tart, in the Destiny or is it universe. Sweet? Oh my god. No. No. Because you're going to have some like wombat emu mix kind of thing going on. Oh, no. Everything could no. kill you, too. That just. That just makes me think of the oh, who's the guy on Twitter the that does the uh, Scottish 
the Scottish translation for all the stuff that's happening in the tower. Oh my god! It's very, it's very not safe for work. I'll just say that <laughs> the parts of it that I can understand. Oh jeez, jester uh, uh, with the the almond milk, <laughs> not having context and trying to figure that out. <laughs> Wombus. <laughs> this is this is gonna get us in trouble. Um, Emu Wars Part Two. <laughs> no, this would be Part Three. three remember, yeah, Part Three. We've, we've already had two. <laughs> Oh my god! Have to run that by log and see his thoughts on it. Uh, yeah. The other one, the other connection, or the other technology that was really cool was uh, Ishmael. Ishmael. Uh, so there's a couple of cool things about Ishmael. Ishmael is a uh, he has something called Zen Shura training, which is uh, really kind of I I kind of took it as a hybridization of where did that go? I wrote this down so that I would have it. Um, it's a training which applies the practices of Zen, selflessness, and restraint to the consultation for others in regards to life or events. Uh, and so what that means is like Zen is a school of Buddhism which emphasizes rigorous self-restraint, meditation, practice, insight into the nature of things, and the personal expression of this insight in daily life, especially, and this is the important part, especially for the benefit of others. Uh, shura is an uh, Arabic word for consultation, uh, and the reason why this is important within Ishmael's thing, or Ishmael's character, is that within the Quran, Muslims are encouraged to decide their affairs in consultation with those who will be affected by that decision. As such, Shura is mentioned, or Shura is mentioned as a praiseworthy activity used in organizing communal affairs, and in some contemporary Muslim nations, Shuras are seen as playing a role in the constitution or governance. So it's actually a encouragement to bring all the parties involved into the discussion, which I mean, it's, it's really cool. The reason why it's called out, especially for Ishmael is that Ishmael actually is also explained in the book as a practicing um, Muslim uh, because it is, he is used as an example of things that had changed because of his practice of praying. So, um, no, I just that was that was a really cool kind of like example that they yeah. used, um, but the technology that Ishmael had access to was really cool. Um, he has, uh, I, I kind of I think what was it? It was like braids, basically. He's a, he's he's referred to a connect. He was referred to as a connectivity supervisor. Um, but basically his brain is connected to hundreds of different data feeds throughout the new Pacific arcology, and he can monitor everything that is going on at the same time, which is where the Zen Shura training allows him to focus in on certain Yeah, because you would go crazy if it's having all that data streamlined to your, your head all at once. Oh, yeah. But now, I really liked how they mentioned that um, he's still allowed to pray, but um, since Mecca doesn't exist on Titan, they, they allow him, or he allows himself to pray towards the direction that Mecca would be if... Um, if it was yeah. on Titan. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I thought that was... I was... Well, and it's it's one of those things that it shows, you know, and it's used to show that the... the um, uh, the adapt uh, adaptability of of the religions mm-hmm. of the golden age which goes into um hang on real quick because i have a quote from seth that i wrote down for actually next week let me see if i can pull it up real quick because it, it's actually completely applicable 
Uh, but he, he actually talks about this being one of the points. Uh, he says, um, I think it would be very easy to default to a cynical, the golden age of a time of prosperity and growth, but with an ugly underbelly and no genuine social change approach. And I'd like to set down some stakes against that. Hmm. So he, he actually is, that's one of the things that he is trying to do both within the, uh, cause Seth also was the author of the, uh, collector's edition journal. Hmm. Um, and so the viewpoint in that one is a uh, from the commander of the K one cream or K one team, uh, and so she has her own detailed history and approach to things that is it's kind of similar to Ishmael's uh, history in in regards to the philosophical basis. But her her whole thing is she does daily meditations, and so Ishmael's whole thing is the you know the prayer of of his religion. And the showing of how that religion has adapted to the fact that we are no longer bound to a single planet. So we're no longer, you know, and instead of being like, okay, in the space time coordinates, where is, <laughs> where is Mecca, you know, at this time? Because that would change, mm-hmm. you know, every, every, like every yeah, minute. Every, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, on earth it's, it's always, you know, whatever direction it's always. Yeah. Cause direction. it's relative so to where really, you are. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool yeah. call out to that, to, to showing how in the golden age we have, we have gotten to a point where it's, it, it we're okay with, with those types of changes, mm-hmm. I think is the, what I, how I read yeah. that. Um, what was the other thing? The, uh, the slow cooking of the, the yeah, meal. I was, did you, did you like yeah, that? I like that like, it, It's kind of cool having a table that is a crock pot essentially. Um, yeah, I was like, it was apparently a very expensive. Well, one. and I guess, I guess one thing I never really considered um, with with golden age tech is like, oh, it's it's all insta food most likely, and so like something like this would be considered a luxury, having to go out of your way to actually slow cook food instead of just having something, what I assume is instantly prepared for you. Hmm. Well, and that's it. Yeah, I think she says it's it's. Uh, what was it? Uh, the edible metaphor, the idea of watching your food slow cook. Yeah. <laughs> Savor the future you're making. Yep. Let's see. I had a few other things. Uh, there were the there were a few names that were mentioned uh, within one of Mia's thing when she was looking at the coming, like the the basically what's the tsunami, basically, it's, which is it's doesn't do it justice, but like the storm the the flood that was coming she lists off like these names and um and i i when i was reading it i was like who what are these like i kind of like with the context of like noah and mm-hmm. uh uh what was it uh uh Bergelmere, i was like okay i kind of have an idea what's going on but i went ahead and i went and looked all these up um so just alphabetically we have uh i think it's atra atrahasis uh, who is Akkadian, uh, so within the Akkadian Babylonian epic of the Great Flood, Atreus was the one good man warned by the god Enki to build an ark to save himself. So very similar to the, the familiar, or to the much more probably well-known yeah, figure Noah. of Noah. Uh, this was from the Akkadian Babylonian epic of the Great Flood, which... We can get into that in just a second. But then the next one is Bergelmir. Bergelmir is the son of Thrundergulmir, 
which was a frost giant and the grandson of Ymir. Uh, Bergelmir and his wife were important because they were alone. They alone were the only surviving giants of the enormous deluge of blood, which was a result of Odin, Vili, and Vey's killing of Ymir. So basically, that is the Norse Viking esque. Um, myth of creation is Odin kills his I want to say his great grand. it's either his grandfather or his great grandfather I can't remember exactly but Odin basically climbs Ymir's body and cuts his throat and the 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 resulting carnage is the creation of all the of all of the existence in the nine realms uh, so Bergelmir was a uh, giant who survived that entire situation basically um then next up i believe we have noah or no next up is uh duclan uh duclan is the son of prometheus which most people probably recognize that name uh he was also the king of Phthia in thessaly and the husband of pyrrha uh duclan is closely connected to the flood myth in greek mythology uh, he is also the father of Helen, not not Helen of Troy, but Helen, the mythical ancestor of the Hellenic race. Uh, a really interesting connection there also is Pyrrha is where we get the word Pyrrhic victory, uh, which is when you win the battle but lose the war. Mm. Uh, so there's that's where that, that term actually originates from. Uh, next up, we have uh, Manu, who... Manu is a bit of an interesting one. Manu is a term that was... That basically has a lot of different meanings throughout Hinduism. Um, in a lot of the earlier texts, Manu as a term refers to an archetypical ar- archetypal man, or the first man. Uh, but later, Manu is the title or the name of the 14 uh, mystical... And I am going to butcher this word. I am so sorry. Mystical... <laughs> Kistria, Kistria rulers of Earth. Um, I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, the use also can be seen alternatively as heads of mythical dynasties, which begin with each cyclical Kalpa or Aeon when the universe is born anew. Um, there is a connection to the Hindu uh, Great Flood myth in that the Vishnu Purana uh, via Vasvata also known as I am not sure how to pronounce that. That is a lot of acronym or a lot of consonants. Stratahadeva or Satavita was the king of Dravida before the Great Flood. He was warned of the flood by the Matsya fish avatar of Vishnu and built a boat that carried the Vedas, which uh, Manu's family and the seven sages to safety. So he was connected again to the flood myths, um, and this is very similar to that of the flood myths such as Gilgamesh, which is the Babylonian epic, and Noah. Um, Noah is within the book of Genesis from the Christian mythology or the the Judo-Christian mythology. Uh, Noah is the image of the righteous man that was made party to a covenant with Yahweh in which nature's future protection against catastrophe is assured. Um, and then finally we have Zia Sudra. Uh, Zia Sudra is really, he is listed as the last king of summer prior to the great flood of Noah. And he is also listed as the hero within the Sumerian creation myth. So these are all names that are connected to the great flood myths of various cultures in that they are heroes or survivors of those mythologies. So Mia is, I think she even makes a comment about like how, 
uh, Burglemere himself couldn't survive this whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, and then uh, there was another word. Where was it? A uh, duker, duker, <laughs> duker. I kept seeing they're like save the bring the duker up, and I was like, what, the, what, what is this? Um, it's described later as a water ocean research submarine, uh, and basically, duker the the term is a Dutch African surname meaning diver. Fun little factoid. <laughs> It's also the word that that the name of a small to medium-sized brown antelope that is native to <laughs> sub-Saharan Africa. I'm pretty confident in saying that's not the yeah. connection that was being made, but I love the fact that there is that connection. <laughs> like, yeah, it's an antelope that's underwater. Um and then yeah then there's the connect the the conversation that we had about Pell's deep space probe um again the information was stated to have caused vicious quiet controversy uh even though Mia didn't know the contents of it you know it's it's basically something that is very dangerous even though they don't know what it is um and this is also called out in their reaction to Rasputin shooting down the shuttle because uh, David and Mia basically come to the conclusion that the level of danger in the eyes of Rasputin had to be severe because even uh, even with the quiet rebellion of New Pacific against Clovis Bray, it was specifically called out that governments did not ever use force against human beings. Like, the, that was kind of a, a, a stature within this period of time of the golden age um to also do another little bit of connection to the k1 situation there is a comment from morgan too about the the location of the information she says quote it's too dangerous it came from inside the and cuts off end quote um uh, so there's a potential connection there that points to a larger picture in which the information here is connected to the information recovered from the AI submine firewall during the events of the K-1 complex. Um, this information had also been covered up and secreted away by Clovis Bray, most likely due to the extremely dangerous side effect exposure to the artifact discovered there had produced within the crew in a short time. So kind of what we were talking about in the last episode. Um, let's see... I think that was that was all I had. Oh yeah, the borehole. Um, so I I kind of had a note like, what secret are they looking for in the borehole, and why does it require? It was specifically called out that it required a crude expedition. Uh, so there was something that they didn't want to rely on just technology. They wanted to have an actual group of humans or group of people there. Um. I didn't know worthy if you wanted to did you have any thoughts on well, that? Well, I kind of wonder if it's if it's due to the potential of some sort of sentient life down there that they needed to have um David there or Dave um mm-hmm. just so they knew how to handle it because if they left it to machinery or any sort of robotic AI that could go against their ethical um against the ethical standards and uh, yeah. I don't know that uh, grasping the straws on that one. Um, right, right. But I, I had made a comment about like they could be looking to confirm the existence of Titan's subsurface mm-hmm. ocean uh, because there's ammonia. I think it's ammonia-rich liquid water. Um, 
and the connection the importance of that connection is that it could be the source of that giant worm that people see from time yeah. to time but <laughs> that then leads to another question of how does a creature from an ammonia rich liquid survive within liquid methane that's a completely different environment mm-hmm. um and it's a bit of a question there uh let's see Oh yeah, uh, David is called out to also be from the uh, new. Um, I think new it's the American New American Empire. Empire yeah. I think is what like it is. Which is also another connect. That's that gets referenced also in Revelation as well as as being something of an importance. North American Empire. Oh yeah, sorry, North American. Yep. yep. Um. But yeah, those are the notes that I have. Green, save us. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there's anything to save. You guys have kind of gone over. I think the interesting thing that we keep finding more and more of in Destiny is how much is tied back to the Hindu uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. There's so much Ahamkara. of the story that's... Oh my gosh. So many different aspects that are tied back to it. Not just Ahamkara. I mean, Ahamkara is like the most, one of the most notable ones, but you have like uh, uh, Lakshmi and mm-hmm. a couple other characters as well that are tied into it. So getting, getting more information tied into that through this book in particular, having essentially Seth dive more into the Hindu religion and the idea of the apocalypse from that perspective just that seeing the the closing of the eyes essentially or the closing of the the going into the deep sleep it's interesting i don't know is there much as far as the references for next week's book hmm there's a lot of references like well, there's not. I guess that's the thing. It's like the, it's it's like when you start digging into it, there's there's connections that could be argued to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not like overt connections. Um, not like this one where it's literally lines from different ones. Yeah, no, no. I mean, there is the line from Morgan that's referring to something being located within, and then she cuts herself off. Um. Which is where the, the in my brain that was like another tick of connecting the anomaly to the complex of K one, uh, the K one complex and what they were communicating with. Um, so it kind of like it's like a if you want to view it as like a triangle, there's two points of communication that is communicating to a third point out in the deep space, uh, and that's the common theme that seems to be connecting the two parties, uh, which also mm-hmm. explains the the ruthlessness of the ai to shut it down because it had already seen what it did at k1 and so again we're in we're in the you know the the carhe white situation we're in twilight what was it twilight exigent territory um we are in trouble we don't need a a uh what's basically a neuro plague running around causing people to see things and go crazy you know <laughs> like i could see rasputin being like nope we're not even going to deal with that right now. And it's just shutting it down. And um, 
and they have demonstrable proof from the K one that it's basically a hundred percent like the the uh the um just blanked on the word uh the likelihood of it to it the the contagion the the ability to be contagious gosh why can't i not think of the term um it is extremely contagious it is a contagion that has a hundred percent efficiency against everything um mm. and so it's like it's not a matter of oh there's a slight chance that that person because they communicated with this thing will you know survive and not get infected by this you know whatever it's everybody and they talk about this in the k1 thing they do a kind of an experiment with like people who didn't have access to the anomaly they introduce them to the anomaly and sure enough those individuals have the same neurochemical response that lead to the insomnia to the 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 issues with all the neurotransmitters misfiring and stuff like that all of them had it after being introduced to this anomaly and so with that information it makes sense to me from you know rasputin again from rasputin existing within the twilight exigent moral territory that is being caused by the collapse it's it's literally that is a threat that he does not have time to calculate and you know it's yet another these people are already dead i am just cutting you know cutting that off and quarantining them away and so there's the kind of that that feel for it which then I know you, had, I know Chad had mentioned it too. Uh, might be what Osiris is yelling at him about in this this cutscene that mm-hmm. we got. Um, mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, there are a lot of things that you could yell at Rasputin about for being a murderer. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, I can see that being the case, though given the way that these were released kind of in tandem-ish. Um, and also given that we know that he specifically calls out that he left the infinite forest because of what he saw. And the infinite forest is something that allows you to travel arguably through time. Um, there's, there's components that I can, I can see the connections that are being made to this event on Kraken Mar which is inspired by the event on K1, which, uh, you know, in multiple ways, um, being the catalyst for that connection there, too. You know, I, I just, I, I can see that argument being carried. I can also see that being a red herring, um, or, a, you know, kind of a, the, the Scarlet Letter, um, or not the Scarlet Letter, God. I'm done talking. <laughs> It's like Scarlet Letter is... No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm thinking... Oh gosh, now I'm going to have to go look up what I'm thinking. You are not quite yet an AI. Someday, though, Blue, you will get there. Scarlet Pimpernel. Ah, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's Scarlet something, <sighs> okay? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Rats, blue called Rasputin a bad word. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that yeah, I I, I will say to kind of move into shoutouts and like concluding thoughts of the book. I enjoyed this book. Like this book was really, it was a really good 
catalyst for a lot of thought exercise and also a a good way to connect multiple multiple aspects of the lore that came from multiple sources it wasn't just like there's connections here to armor pieces there's connections here to quests there's connections here to other lore books there's a connection to uh information that we got outside of game within the collector's edition of the most recent you know expansion there's there's this is this is a really good example i think of a a a well-designed transmedia um collection and presentation of information that each aspect then you know goes and completely adds to without really without really clouding the information it it, it really does make a multifaceted presentation of the situation in which there is clarity gained not lost which i think is a really cool and well done uh thing for this for this book and for next week's book revelation I am going to have my head continue to spin because the K1 story that's getting ready to come up being connected to this makes my head hurt not going to lie but the story within the collector's edition in particular is kind of sad like oh, revelations yeah. is not they're neither none of these like the next couple of weeks are not happy stories in any way shape or form they are really getting to be darker and darker and next week's going to be a dark dive for sure yeah so, it will be it will be much more psychological uh yeah it, i mean be sure um moon well, not just that, because actually, like, there's there's actually psychoanalytics going on. There is a psychiatrist or a psychologist, psychiatric, uh, special, two, there's actually multiple psychiatric specialists uh, involved, and they actually weigh in on what's happening with the K-1 team, um, which is really interesting, because they explain from a neurochemical level kind of what's happening to cause some of the other stuff to cause the paranoia to cause the insomnia there's connections to actually quite a few other pieces of lore outside of just this connection here uh that that i want to you know bring up too um but it's the thing that i really the thing that i like about these two books because again i can't really i don't my brain i can't talk about one without the other is that they are a really good balance of i think the situation that is the golden age there is the kraken mare which is the you know the the I, i'm not going to call it the idealistic but it's it's the much more communal much more it's not a utopia but it is much more that city on a hill-esque type thing and then there is the k1 group the k1 group was originally designed to be you know a secretive group they weren't they weren't necessarily there to be like undermining china america or or the uh, arrow arrow china sorry china america arrow china or clovis bray they weren't there to necessarily be like you know these like agents against you know blah blah, blah. but that's kind of what it became it, it kind of de- it kind of devolved into this darker component and 
that's where I see the the discrepancy between the K1 complex and New Pacific is that I think that that was what was trying to be prevented because there is a way to read both of those in which the AI are not the not the enemy. They are actually trying to save the the overarching group of humanity um albeit via very very unfortunate and very tough call to make uh but that goes back into what we see within Kalki's burning sword part two where david is talking about the twilight exigent moral territory um mm-hmm. you know it is it is literally a situation in which rasputin has gotten to the point that he doesn't see a way out of the situation without sacrifice and Rasputin you know that that is to be clear that was arguably one of the reasons they created Rasputin was to be able to make those moral judgment calls that a human might not be able or might not be comfortable making in a split second Uh, and that's a really tough it's really tough and it's 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 a good debate catalyst because it's like a trolley problem you know it it is a trolley problem and Rasputin is trying to he's he's not putting an ethical value on or an ethical or moral value on a choice he's literally looking at it from as logical as you can get because he doesn't necessarily have that emotional component that weighs and in some cases softens the decision you know to cut out cut things out um it's a it's a it's a give and take it's a pro and con of rasputin's existence and you see that with you know next week we'll see that with firewall firewall does the exact same thing he makes a decision or it makes a decision based on the information that it has access to and it even i mean there's there's cases in which firewall is trying to manipulate the situation because he is trying to help the humans that just won't listen to him he like he repeatedly tries to warn them and they don't listen and so he there's there's some things that firewall does that lead up to other things like it, it's a it kind of a progression of events but he's doing the same thing here and, and and you can argue that rasputin does too rasputin sent morgan's team as the humane option that he tried you can argue he tried to you know not be put in a situation but when the when he was put to a corner it's like look it's the choice of humans or that shuttle and you know that is literally the golden age equivalent of a trolley problem it's like do you let the do you let the shuttle go with all those innocents on it but with data that could potentially and is probably going to cause much larger issues or do you shoot the shuttle down and kill innocent, you know, collateral damages, you know, I can't imagine how many civilians were on there, but to contain the data and to prevent the rest of humanity from getting infected with potentially very damaging information. It's, it's when you start looking at that particular aspect of it, that's where it starts getting, for me at least, really fascinating on, on the level of playing, on the, the playing field that Rasputin is operating on. Because it's a much larger picture than just oh he's a bad guy because he shot the shit up ship out of the sky. That's that's not. Yes, he shot the shuttle down, but that's not the reason why he didn't do it because he got he was throwing a tantrum. 
he did it because the danger of what was on that ship escaping and infecting the larger part the larger population of humanity was so great it's 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 again going back to like Zavala Zavala was making a similar call with the Awoken City you know there there's the military call that is very uncomfortable to admit but from a logical standpoint does make a lot of sense yeah i mean at what point do you, can you differentiate between the two because the the loss of life of of Hugh or the loss of the information or whatever the data that is on there versus well, the loss of life see and and my counterpoint to that and this is this is speculation i will be clear this this part this next part is speculation you're assuming that that data was not already obtained by Rasputin. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it could be a situation where the reason why Rasputin was so rough and so ruthless is because he knew full well what was on that ship. You know, and and that's the part that is speculation. And, you know, depending on if if we even get clarity on that part, but if that was information that he already had and he knew what it was, and he had seen, like, again, going back to K-1, he had seen the effect of it, then the, the decision to shoot that ship out of the sky makes infinitely more sense. Now, if he didn't have that information, but he had a strong suspicion, again, this goes back into the, the moral territory that he's allowed within the Twilight Exigent and the situation as a whole with the collapse. You know, again... I can't help but see him operating on the thing of like, he is trying to minimize the threat to humanity and that if that's connected to the K one team, that is a proven threat to humans. Humans can't withstand for whatever reason, they can't withstand that particular exposure to that type of data. And so if it's related to the K one, the logic would then, you know, I can see the logical path there that he's like, Nope. I'm not even going to question that. With that, can I change my answer from the beginning of the episode? (laughs) (laughs) From the who's the bad guy, who's the good guy? Sure. (laughs) Between Osiris and Rasputin. I think, I mean, I don't think your answer is wrong. I don't think the... I mean, I still agree with... I, I still agree with your answer, yeah. though, because like the thing and the thing with that situation is right. It's like the same thing, the same argument can be made for Osiris yeah. with regards to the Vex. Yeah, and that's that's where it's like it's like well, neither of them are are air quote wrong. It's like, but we also don't know we we don't know what the argument's about. Very like true. I don't know what he's screaming at Rasputin. I'm like, it could be he's talking about something completely <laughs> yeah. different. And, you know, he's talking about Rasputin's, you know, sacrifice of everybody and going to sleep mm-hmm. during the, you know, during the Dark Age or whatever. And I mean, like, and then at that point, I mean, he 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 has a point. Like, he's like, what, why did you just abandon them? And it's like, again, though, we, we, we're also interacting with two characters who are not, it's it's that situation of we're, we're in the game world. So we, we're we're being fed biased information, which is oh, something yeah. also to keep in the back of our minds. And so what and what I mean here is that like, well, what happens if Rasputin just doesn't answer him? It's like now we're just operating completely on speculation because it's like, well, one party is just not telling us mm-hmm. what's what what was going on. 
and the other party's you know screaming at him which i just i love the was it the grumpier old men yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that it just makes me think it wasn't it cole that had the the old man screaming at the computer or hush okay thanks dancing okay yeah i saw that tweet and i was like yep that's pretty much my reaction was old old guy yelling at computer. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I apologize for my tangents on this one because my brain has been percolating They're for a good. while. It's 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 good stuff. Should we go to shout outs? Yeah, let's go to shout outs. Uh, Worthy, do you have some yeah, shout-outs yeah. for this uh, well, one? Just uh, to reiterate from the, the first episode, uh, shout-out to my clan, DOD, PC, Paternal Chums, um, and shout-out to you guys. Um, a fan like me really appreciates all the hard work that you guys put into this show and keeping it going for as long as you have. Thanks. A shout-out for you for joining us, and thank you for hopping in with us, and a shout-out to Blue for sometimes just breaking my brain with how much he's got shoved in his so <laughs> just like this, someday <sighs> this is this is one of those situations where it's like I, I really just sit down and I, I like I like the way Destiny's lore is constructed like it's it's a love-hate relationship right because there's so much it's, information yeah. there's so much information that we don't have access to um, and this is why, you know, you know, take take your pick of my like big worlds that I like, you know, whether it's Elder Scrolls, whether it's Halo or Destiny, or uh, uh, you know, it's it's um it's why it's so immersive to me is because you have to approach it with the understanding that it's just like reality. We only have part of the picture. And so you have to you you know you have to go through and you have to like pick at pieces and you know and, and you play basically mental Tetris with it. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you know to be fair, there's a lot of these connections that I could be completely off, and I am I, I, this is like uh, I put this on the level of the Dredge and Your series from D one. You know that's that's what it's getting to because at this point I'm not even caring if I'm right or wrong. I'm just excited to see where yeah. it goes. Because there is, this is so, like, there are so many different potentials for, for arcs on, you know, out of this that, you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's a good story. It's, again, one of those things where the story, at the end of the day, the story might be really simple. You know, that was one of the things I made a comment about with the, the Rezal Azir and Dredge and Yor arc. Looking at it now, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why would you guys not understand this? You know, it's like a really basic, whap, whap story arc. Well, that wasn't the fun. The fun of it was we were getting like the first part, the last part, the middle part, but we didn't know that the middle part was the middle part. We thought the middle part was the first part. You know, it was like playing a game of ever-evolving chess slash puzzle pieces, and it was continuously trying to fit those pieces together. That's where I find a lot of fun, and I love that we're getting back, like we're getting back into that type of, or I feel like I'm getting back into that type of approach with this type of with this lore because the connections are starting to become more visible within the story and there's also these outliers that are like they're just just familiar enough that it's like i think that's a connection but i don't know but if it is a connection 
if it is a connection, that's going to be really interesting. Um, so again, like a big shout out to the, to the entire writing team. I mean, like this, this one is, and I know I've talked to Guy about this and I've talked to John and Seth and all them, you know, everyone always is making, everyone always makes sure to say that it's, it's a team effort. And like, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons they always say they don't like putting names on the books is because it really is a team effort. They all, they all come together to, to put these narratives together, um, but that being said, guys, I mean, seriously, this is this 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 particular story arc is is one that I'm really excited to see where we get it taken, mostly because it's clarifying a lot of the Golden Age stuff, mm-hmm. which has always been, you know, that curiosity point. But huh, that being said, <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to really actually thank you guys for for your time Um And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.